0: Good afternoon. This is Hooting Yard on the air. My name is Frank Key. This week's show: bit of a bit of a hodgepodge, bit of a rag bag of mostly short pieces. And um, if you are listening to this and feeling a bit listless, don't worry because there'll probably be quite a few lists involved. Um, and then you won't be listless. This is uh, called "My Little Blind Crow." So there I was, kneading dough, thinking about Edgar Allan Poe, and my heart fit to burst about my little blind crow. The moon was full and it cast a glow. Santa in the chimney said, ho, ho, ho. I wept hot tears for my little blind crow. The wind doth howl, the gale doth blow. They used to call Stalin Uncle Joe, but Stalin never sobbed all night for my little blind crow. Parsley, sage, rosemary and thyme. Brother, can you spare a dime? Sister, are you too crumpled with woe when you think about my little blind crow? They say that Stalin's five-year plans made Russia strong. But that has nothing to do with my song. I want it set to music by Status Quo, a sad, sad song for my little blind crow. ¶¶ The wind in the windows The will in the windows The wills in the window Goop, the executor, saw that the will had been lodged in the casement window It was hidden behind the curtain Although he was not certain The will in the window The lady in the lake The lake like the lady The lake in the la dee The break in the lake The beak keepsake For a keepsake in her locket The lady in the lake kept a beak The beak of a bird The third bird. The first bird was a chaffinch. The second was a vulture. The third bird was dead. Its beak had been detached, and she kept it as a keepsake in her locket in her pocket. The quick and the dead. The dead and the sick. The sick and the sad. The sick man was sad. He wrote his will. He plighted his troth. He was as sick as a dog. He was sick in the trough. The tooth of the truth, those shoes of his, his shoes, the truth of boots and shoes. A boot is a shoe, the beauty of boots, the mutiny on the bounty, a bountiful feast, the test of the best. Deceit is a crime, the crime of the tooth, the truth of the crime. In much Haddam, is that true? I've not checked, the check and the stripe, the striped and the hooped, the patterned and plain, the brain drain, the drain at the curb, the curb of the path, the path of life, the death of earth, the dearth of crime, the crime of passion, the scarlet pimpernel, the pimpled and sick, the sickness unto death, rude health, untold wealth, pelf, filthy lucre, Lord Lucan, the charge of the light brigade the raid of the brigade, the raid was made, the maid was late, the tale was told as bold as brass, the caste system, a Shropshire lad, bays, the toll of bells, the bells of hell, Beelzebub's bells, that swelling brogue, that broken shell, a wassailing we will go. enough of all this poetry if that's what it is we want we want a facts. and um here's a fact here's a fact about the tantarabim carton the tantarabim carton was recovered from an old potting shed by dobson during one of his forays into what he called a narcopatopsychoarcheal ontology It's a ceremonial carton which was used for unknown purposes during ceremonies prosecuted by the bleach-splattered Tantarabim priesthood. Grim and horrifying these rituals may have been, but not the carton. It is 45 centimetres in height, has a jewel encrusted crimpline base, ivory fluting, ruched silk underbelts, hectic trimmings, a delightful milky green ribbed spandaule, Villainous scraping marks, a gutter percha rim, opalescent bison head motifs, swivelling glutinous beads inlaid with serried gems, flirtily hatching, precise web and tuck du talc stipples, a ribboned nightside opening on the velveteen casing, some rather brusque kale in relief work, tiny cack-iron clips, berry-lagging, a splendid gilt spode handle and corky frets on the oversling. Dobson tried to present his find to an art gallery somewhere on the hard, unyielding banks of a river in Yukon country, but he was chased away by burly men with bludgeons and was lucky to escape with his life. He subsequently wrote up the episode in his pamphlet, Chuckle some fripperies from my notebook's Lavender series. Of course... um Those were made-up facts, but this next bit, completely unrelated, um, another chucklesome frippery, but this time it's true. For many years, I believed that the most startling opening line in theatre was um, when Ubu says, Merdr! in Alfred Jarry's Ubu Roi. But no, it's not. Isn't this a great opening line? Foscophonia, where left you Cronon Isn't that great? Those are the opening words from Henry Carey's play Cronon Hot Onthologus, spoken by Rigdom Funidos. The play is not unlike Uberwa in that the title character is a greedy, bad tempered, and violent king. And the final scene leaves the stage littered with corpses. This um, memorable line will give you some idea. Oh, horrid, horrible and horridest horror. Our king, our general, our cook, our doctor. All dead, stone dead, irrevocably dead. Oh, all groan, a tragedy groan. The play also includes um, my favourite musical direction. Um, which is as follows: Scene: A bedchamber. Cronon hot onthologus asleep. Rough music: viz. salt boxes and rolling pins, gridirons and tongs, sow gelders' horns, marrow bones and cleavers, etc. He wakes. Henry Carey, circa 1687 to 1743, also wrote, among much else, the words to God Save the King, or God Save the Queen. Cronon Hot Anthologus was so popular in its day that the title entered the language as a synonym for furious, violent, demanding, and self-centred. Sounds just like pa Ubu. And it appeared in earlier editions of Roger's Thesaurus, but it appears never to have made it into the OED. Later on in the program, um, now that I've, I've gone off into, uh, into old old um, works, old dramatic works, um, I thought I'd read a series of quotations from other writers. Always always um, fun and also very useful when I haven't um, written lots of new things recently. But first, um, here's a piece called Hoon Hing Boom Banger Bang. Tap, tap, tap. Clunk. Tippity tippity tap tap tap. Clunk. Oh. Hoon hing. Boom bang a bang. A pudding basin haircut on the Choctaw man. A goat in distress in a faraway place. Pins and needles and rigorous thought. Hoon hing. Boom bang a bang. When you fall from a tree you've been climbing and your headache is thumping, thump, thump and a pig has a snout and a tail, and there's leakage and victims and loss. How are you going to decide the right time to set fire to everything that has to be set fire to? Food and shelter and clothing, thousands of seaside resorts, Celine Dion's autograph, Lake Winnipeg, and that pudding-basin haircut on the Choctaw man, his father's gaze and his mother's tongue, his brother's axe and his sister's stick his daughter's bell, and his other daughter's bell as well, both the bells, chiming away, oh, hoon, hing, tap, 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 hoon, hing, clunk, tap, 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 clunk, clunk, hoon, hing, boom, bang, a bang. I went to Oswestry and I went to Dawlish, I took my library books back, Gigantic screeching vultures scraped across the sky and the sky was blue and the library sat on a hill near a lake, that legendary drained lake where they found the big white bones of something that they did not know had ever lived. They drew around the bones with chalk and then they took the bones away. They were big and white and boxed in crates and tap, 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 tippity-tap, clunk, clunk. Hey there, lantern-jawed rag-wrapped florist. Have you seen these strands of floss? The Choctaw man had some for supper and now he's writhing in that ditch. He used to be a narcoleptic, then he joined the river police. Now he's writhing in a ditch because he ate those strands of floss. Hoon hing. Hoon hing. Dark and cumbersome, love in a mist. An orphan's shattered view of a hedge. The necessity for the necessity for each of the crew to bail when asked. Here's your bucket, here's your pail. With you thant in Kamchatka, an anthology by several hands. All those widows lurking in doorways, slicing up cabbage and shelling peas. I was in the snow with a horse and a pillow, and I lavished attention on things unseen. Tap, clunk, boom, bang a bang. Disco jam bag hell hole frock coat breakfast jar pop bandage king that was me in all my glory tap clunk hoon hing boom bang a bang Now, now has promised some quotations. Um, fairly random, picked simply because I like them. The first is from um, Norton I, the Emperor of the United States. Some listeners may know of him. He lived in San Francisco. I think he was originally English, but he just declared himself the Emperor of the United States and issued many decrees, and the citizens of San Francisco, to their credit, um, basically fed and clothed him and treated him imperially. Anyway, one of the things Norton I first said was and I think this is well worth remembering, I could argue all day about the significance of facing East in religious rituals but a clean table is a clean table. Um, this is, uh, the next is, is not so much a quotation really, it's just a, a fact, a little fact um, about Sir Isaac Newton. In, in 1689 um Newton was elected Member of Parliament for Cambridge University Uh, he held the post for just one year during which time he spoke in Parliament only once when he asked someone to close the windows as he could feel a draft um this is from a book called Thormaturgia by Anonymous um in which Anonymous writes, "'The other case, as related by Van Swieten in his commentaries upon Boerhaave, "'is that of a learned man who had studied till he fancied his legs to be of glass, "'in consequence of which he durst not attempt to stir, "'but was constantly under anxiety about them. "'His maid bringing one day some wood to the fire threw it carelessly down "'and was severely reprimanded by her master,' who was terrified not a little for his legs of glass. The surly wench, out of all patience with his megrims, as she called them, gave him a blow with a log upon the parts affected, which so enraged him that he instantly rose up and from that moment recovered the use of his legs. So if you uh, think your legs are made of glass, that's one way of dealing with it. Harold Nicholson now from a book or an essay entitled Men's Clothes. It is related of Mr Herbert Spencer that he possessed a suit which had been specially made for him. He only wore this suit when he was feeling irritable, but he sometimes wore it for weeks at a time. And um, perhaps we'll have some more quotations later on, but finally for this little section, one of Pascal's pensées from 1657, and one which I think um, seriously think is extremely wise, um, Pascal said, "All the misfortunes of people derive from one single thing, and that is their inability to sit still in a room."." And now, today's recipe. Ingredients. Six ounces of self-raising flour. Six ounces of self-hatred flour. Four tablespoons of jezebel oil. Twenty-five pints of boiled duck pond water. One raisin. Twelve quail's eggs. A smidgen of marzipan. Twelve cucumbers. Thirteen sticks of rhubarb. A very large hollyhock. Two buckets of chaff one pint of turtle's blood, five packets of special K, 15 blood oranges, two fresh bream, 54 more raisins, one plastic bag, eight radishes, one cup of bleh, 18 pints of milk, 3 pounds of toffee, 5 tablespoons of gum arabic, 2 cups of bathsheba extract, 62 moorhen feathers, a dash of isinglass, a tablespoon of lemon curd, 3 balls of wool, 5 ounces of titanium, 1 beetle, 8 jars of nameless eldritch plasma. Method 1. Find a a large metal drum about the size of a telephone kiosk. 2. Shove everything into it, having chopped up the things that need chopping. 3. Boil. 4. While it boils, think long and hard about the fact that rhubarb takes its name from the Greek rion barbaron. That is, something which comes from the barbarous country of the Ra, the Greek name for the Volga. That's RHA. 5. When it's finished boiling, transfer it into a big metal basin and bake it in an oven for 4 hours. 6. Remove from oven, allow to cool, then cut into cake-sized cubes. 7. Fry the cakes over a low flame until golden, or what passes for golden in this leaden age. Eight. Serve with milk diluted with tap water. Mrs. Gubbins has just sent me a note by Pneumatic Packet to give me a list of topics that she'll be covering in a new publication, um, apparently called Mrs. Gubbins' Daily Digest. And um, here are are the things that she'll be um, covering in Issue 1. Velcro, dubbin, crayons, string, grease, bellows, Plasma Gas, Methods of Divination, Parcels, The Love Boat, Different Types of Paste, Hints on Horticulture, The Life Cycle of Bumblebees, Spring-Heeled Jack, Grizzly Bears, Cotton, Cotton Mather, Shampoo Recipes, Tungsten Railings, Poop Deck Etiquette, The Lindbergh Kidnapping Hoax, Towels, Blizzards, Cocoa, Genuflection, Hatred. Floppy Things, Irked Klondike Gold Prospectors, The Legend of Anaxa Grotax, Ink Bales, Crumpled Things, The burgomeisters of Calais, Dots on a Transparent Plane, Geese, Why Jiff is now called Sif, Mordant Pelicans, Drums in the Night, The Contents of the Stomach of an Ostrich, The Recording of Disraeli Gears by Cream, Turquoise Jewelry, goldfinches, starlings, the collected writings of Elkin Allen, taverns in Didcot, maps of Sumatra, tonsured friars, food poisoning, wooden kettles, tock-h lamps, pulverised lumps of basalt, wimples and snoods, daktari, voodoo, jam, kale, strabismus, molotov cocktails and the true meaning of the pendant worn by Christopher Plummer on his wedding day. There was a man named Gervais Birdlip, resident at that time in Utoxita. He hailed originally from Helsinki, where his parents used to polish shields with old rags. Birdlip had lived for many years in a caravan on the outskirts of Helsinki. It was a dilapidated caravan. Nobody knew why he had moved to Utoxeter. Nobody knew whether or not his papers were in order. Nobody knew for how many years he had been alive on this terrifying and yet miraculous planet. Nobody knew why his teapot leaked. Nobody knew why his left shoulder blade was emblazoned with a magnificent tattoo of a cormorant. Nobody knew why his gas bills were so preposterous. Nobody knew that he was ashamed of his club foot. Nobody knew that he skulked about in the orchard. Nobody knew what he kept in that mysterious iron pail. Nobody knew the angle of his hat. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. It's a sad story. Some more quotations um, now from Christopher Plummer to Dennis Plimmer. Dennis Plimmer was the author of um, a story excitingly entitled Man from the Wrong Time Track. Sounds like Sting. Um, which reminds me, uh, my favourite Sting quotation is um, well, a quotation about Sting really from uh, from my friend Max Desharnay who was on the show just a few weeks ago. Max, who's often been known to exclaim, "'Oh, Sting, where is thy death?' Anyway, um, this is from Dennis Plimmer's "'Man from the Wrong Time' track. "'You say,' he mused, "'that Mock came from some land once ravaged by war "'in which for 500 years literacy "'had been a monopoly of the priesthood, "'in which the inhabitants lived in stone huts, "'and that they were unfamiliar with bow-ties?' Thrilling, eh? Um, and Roddy Doyle, the Irish writer, um, already write? I don't know, The Commitments, something like that, written various things. Anyway, he had the gall to say that he thought that um, Ulysses by James Joyce was, um, was too long and could have done with a good editor, which is a fairly preposterous thing to say. Um, but if you're going to criticise... Ulysses, at least do it well. Here are two uh, comments on Ulysses that were made when it was first published. The Teacher's World magazine called it an immense mass of clotted nonsense, and The Sphere magazine wrote the maddest, muddiest, most loathsome book issued in our own or any other time. Inartistic, incoherent, unquotably nasty a book that one would have thought could only emanate from a criminal lunatic asylum. That's the kind of write-up you want, isn't it? Um, and on to more spiritual things. Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, medieval um, monk and holy man, great um, Christian. And Saint Bernard of Clairvaux wrote, A man fond of jugglers will soon enough possess a wife whose name is Poverty. If it happens that the tricks of jugglers are forced upon your notice, endeavour to avoid them and think of other things. So next time you see a juggler, you know what to do. Um, And I have read this quotation many a time before, but it's so great I'm going to read it again. Uh, This is from The Thing That Dined on Death by John H. Knox, who wrote... It was Merrow Dark, the fashionable radio astrologer, whose name was on every woman's tongue. Slade had seen him often, passing through the village in his big foreign-made car, with his jaded and debauched companions, on whose neurotic faces Slade's eye had read the imprint of sickening abnormalities. Did the orgies which were said to go on in Merrow Dark's house have any bearing on these bestial atrocities? Slade plodded back to his car. His brain was a whirling chaos. <laughs> That's all we have time for for this week from Hooting Yard. I'll be back next week. Bye.